0: Is the Bear Cast presented by Bird Colchin Ford? Bird Colchin Ford has been in Waco since 1936. Ford is the number one selling truck in Texas, 43 years running. The BearCast is also presented by Well Med Medical Management and USMD Health System Dallas. Here's Craig Smoke and Grayson Grundhafer. And good afternoon. Here on this Tuesday 30th, welcome into a new edition of the BearCast here on Sikkim365.com, 365 365 Sports, and got the YouTube channel fired back up post-memorial day. Hopefully you were able to uh, get a little bit of time away or just some time with family and friends and enjoy yourselves and uh, reflect on the reason for the season. Uh, Certainly got the chance to do so. I'm Craig Smoke. Joined as always by Grace and Grunhefer. and how about you, Grace? And able to uh, enjoy Memorial Day and a little time with friends and
1: family. Yeah, definitely. I was able to get out of uh, the country a little bit, so that was nice. Oh. So I was gone. F- I was, you know, not working from Wednesday till you know today. So it was a really nice trip. It's the first time I've gotten to do that, and I I can't even tell you the last time I was out of the country. So that was really nice. Where'd you go? Saint Martin. Oh, it's okay. A, it's a island, French a French island near it's kind of near like uh Cuba and Haiti and Dominican Republic.
0: Very nice. Well, that sounds fancy and fun and uh and good to get away. Uh, we got away on the radio show for a few days and uh just uh you know, I don't know if I'm feeling recharged but feel a lot better. Mm-hmm. Uh, I should say that cuz everybody I think's kind of got that hangover of when you had time off and then you're getting back to it you're like that first day you're like, "Oh, all right." But you also feel a lot better having had some time away, so Uh, We were able to do that, and now here we're back and uh, back into a regular routine, have 365 Sports Radio uh, later on today, and of course here kicking things off with the podcast as we do every Tuesday uh, at noon. It's very weird timing, though, because there's not a lot going on, I mean, in the grand scheme of things, uh, and that feels weird just because there's been so much going on, it seems like, for the last several weeks. Uh, so we'll dip a little bit into what this end of the spring semester look like sports-wise. Uh, a little bit of recruiting and a little, uh, if we can get into it, some NBA drafts. We'll also have your questions as well. Got Garrett Ross, uh, and uh, he's running the mothership here uh, behind the scenes. Good to have Garrett with us as well. And uh, I guess, where do you want to start off? I mean, it's been... Uh, kind of quiet as far as, you know, the football front. We did have the big Blake Shapen announcement last week and Dave Aranda's press conference. We went over that, you know, tooth and comb. Uh, is that the right phrase, tooth and nail? Yeah, tooth and nail. Yeah, tooth and nail, tooth and, nail. Tooth and comb. <laughs> or with a fine tooth comb, I think is what I was trying to say combine the, the phrases. But we went over that pretty in-depth. But I guess a few days have passed by now. Anything changed in your mind or anything else come to mind? Anything else? I guess uh, you view it differently maybe a few days removed from
1: hearing it from Dave Aranda last week. Anything standing out to you still from uh, what we heard? I think it's more so just the reaction, right? More so just kind of seeing people have, you know, various takes on why this decision was made. I've even seen people straight up say that, like, this doesn't mean that Blake is starting the first game of the year, which yeah it does, which it does. Like <laughs> yeah, it you does. can't you, you can't name a starter and then he's not starting the first game of the year. I found that to be one of the more kind of ridiculous ones out there. And this is not to say that Sawyer Robertson can't win the job eventually or can't be this quarter, the starting quarterback for Baylor at some point. But if there's not an injury this fall, Blake Shapin's starting that first game of the year and that's what Dave Rand, in my opinion, was announcing. He wasn't just announcing like, hey guys, yeah, Blake Shapen is the leader. He's the starter at this moment. That's not what he was saying. He was saying he's the starter of the first game of the year. He's earned that through spring ball. So I found that to be rather interesting. I've also just found just kind of some of the the reactions to be just so negative about Blake Shapin and in reality, he was dealt a really tough hand last year with not having a great receiving core, with the defense not being very good, with, I just felt like, unlucky circumstances at times, like the West Virginia game where the guy was literally probably going to throw for like 500 yards and five touchdowns based on how that game was going. He gets knocked out. They end up losing that game. It's just little unfortunate things that happen throughout the year that aren't within his control, in my opinion. Um and this is, again, not to say Soror Robertson isn't a very good quarterback, isn't capable of potentially being the quarterback this year, but I, just, I find the reactions to be a little bit too negative at this very moment.
0: Yeah, I wrote a little bit about it in the good, bad, the ugly. I didn't go too in-depth on it, and I've given my thoughts before. I'm not going to get down in the mud and just throw, you know, on everybody who disagrees or whatever. Everybody's got their opinion. I, I do think it's a little bit of an overreaction, though, of just how negative some of it is. And, you know, I want to be fair, though, and not paint, like, an entire fan base because, like, three people want to be, you know, uh, up in arms about something that's still got a ways to go. But, yeah, the entire thought process behind naming Blake Shapin outside of just the cohesiveness you hope to build over the summer uh, was to name him the starter for the first game of the season. Like – I, I saw somebody ask the question. I mentioned the get good, bad, ugly as well. Well, this doesn't mean he's going to start game one. No, that's exactly what it means. That's exactly the point of it is that they're gearing up for him to start game number one. So, no, that's exactly what that means. You wouldn't do it otherwise because then what would be the point? He's a starter of what? The starter of fall practice? Well, that doesn't matter. Right. So, no, the entire thing was based around that's what's going to happen. And then, you know, beyond that, we have no idea – and everybody can speculate on who's starting against Utah in week two Mm -hmm. uh, or who's starting against – was it Texas is the opener in the Big 12, I think?
1: It is, yeah, but they get that Long Island one in between there. Yeah,
0: but, I mean, like, that one, that's whatever. Um, Yeah, yeah, so, you know, yeah, who's starting by Texas? Who's starting, you know, the following week against uh, UCF or whoever it is? I don't know the whole schedule off the top of my head. Like, that all remains to be seen. But, yeah, I feel good and confident about week number one and who's starting then. Um, but yeah, I mean, I've seen some of the, the, you know, remaining, I guess, kind of thoughts on it and we'll all just see, we'll see what happens, but I mean, it's uh, it is what it is for right now. And you know, Blake Shapin's got the keys and we'll see what he does with it, but the thing that we know now is that if he doesn't drive very well, then Sawyer Robertson will be
1: right there ready to go. Yeah, definitely. I think the one other thing I did want to mention is people are also harping on why make this decision right now. And I, I, we both were vocal that we didn't think a decision should be made, but mm-hmm. a decision has been made. So now you got to move on from that and figure out, okay, why was this decision made? And I, I think Dave Miranda said that pretty elegantly during the press conference talked about the leadership talked about the command of the offense talked about just multiple things in the improvements that he saw from Blake shape and so while we both disagree with them making a decision at that point we got to move on past that and realize that clearly Jeff Grimes, Sean Bell, Dave Aranda saw all they needed to see in naming him the starting quarterback. So you're exactly right. Now we just move on from there. Who knows what happens during the season, but I, we do know what's going to happen game one, or at least what they're expecting to happen game number one.
0: Yeah, and just because uh, you don't necessarily agree on the decision itself or wherever it is that you're coming from uh, individually, um, you know that's fine. But I think it is good for everybody to kind of rally around just like, where we are now, um, and that's probably best for the program is for everybody, whether you wanted Sawyer Robertson or you wanted R.J. Martinez or whatever it is that you wanted, some transfer quarterback, like Malik Hornsby to roll in here, um, you know, whatever it was that you were looking for, that's not happening, um, you know, unless it was Blake Shapin that you were
1: looking for, and Hornsby so... Hornsby is going to roll in here, game number he one, He is right? game
0: number one, yeah, yeah, but I mean, whatever it is that you were eyeing, like, you know, that's fine, but... Now we know who the guy is. And so hopefully everybody can rally around the guy um, and, you know, make it as uh, pleasant and as positive of a, you know, kind of experience as it possibly can be. And you know what? Then it'll be up to him to, you know, reciprocate that and make sure that he gets that week in and week out based on his play and based on his leadership. So that'll be up to Blake shaping now. But yeah, hopefully the fan base can kind of settle in, realize who the guy is, and, and move forward accordingly. Um, but he's going to be on a, on a leash uh, of some sort. I I don't think this is one of those where you just keep trotting out there no matter what. This is going to be a competition moving forward, and he's going to have to play up to par. So that's definitely uh, one of the bigger stories uh, that continues on, and people will continue discussing, and continue discussing all the way through game one and game two, and for however long there is a little bit of a – of a rumbling back and forth on on who the guy should be. But, um, yeah, that was big. And, you know, I was thinking, reflecting back on it a little bit as well, I think he kind of talked a lot about some of the same stuff we sort of heard before, some of the philosophical stuff, things like that that we've written about and gone back and forth on. But that was the big note. And, yeah, beyond that, um, I did appreciate that they let the media know and, you know, didn't just, hey, Fort Worth – and the folks here, guess what? We got a surprise for yeah. you. A big announcement. I'm, I appreciate that he actually thought of the media, um, which was uh, a nice hit to do, and not necessarily every coach would do as well. Beyond that, football wise, had the guys move in this weekend. So, mm-hmm. uh, new names from the transfer portal from the class of twenty twenty three, uh, all getting onto campus. Saw some of the pictures of that on social media, and uh, good to see some names. I think I saw Isaiah Robinson and know, him uh, hugging his family as they were leaving, but uh, anything notable? Uh, Do we have a rundown of kind of who all's arriving or has arrived this past weekend?
1: Yeah, so I guess the the quick rundown, these are guys who did not early enroll, right? So that group includes Brendan Bett. Um, D.J. Coleman, D.K. Kalu, Corey Kelly, Dawson Pendergrass, Isaiah Robinson, Trent Thomas, Sean Tompkins, LeVar Thornton, Tayshawn Wilson, Jaron Woods uh, are the names that I have along with walk-ons. There are a few walk-on guys, Dylan Schaub, Cade Tessier, uh, Tessier quarterback, obviously. So he's those are some of the guys that uh, to keep an eye on. I would say this, though, you know, as of the guys that I rated for this class, you know, four of the top six uh, arrived with this group and those guys are Tayshon Wilson, Isaiah Robinson, Lavar Thornton and Sean Tompkins. Uh, all four of those guys are in the top 6 along with Bryson Washington and Matthew Klopfenstein uh, who early enrolled. So a really talented group arriving. Some guys that I'm really fascinated to see how they grow. Uh, you're looking at a lot of guys who need to reshape their bodies in my opinion as far as either adding weight or uh, turning that weight into more muscle. Those type of things are going to be really important through these summer months. Uh, if any of them are, you know, hoping for playing time this upcoming fall. So, guys arriving on campus, we've got
0: that uh, now underway or even over with at this point, and uh, settling in to get ready for summer school and get ready for workouts. So that's been exciting to see. Elsewhere, I guess the only other thing really football-wise, we we'll are get into some recruiting here in a second, but uh, Big 12 meetings going on. Um, there was a piece by Ross Dellinger just kind of a recap and kind of a preview of what's expected to take place uh, at spring meetings where they are in West Virginia. Brett Yormark and league officials, and uh, you know, mentioning that they're still in discussions with Gonzaga as a possible basketball addition. Um, they really hammered home that point, and you know, this the expansion point in general has been hammered home quite a bit or talked about quite a bit, but really. Uh, mentioning Gonzaga clearly uh, in his latest piece. You know, also uh, sprinkling in a little bit of the Yukon flavor. I don't know if I've asked you before about I mean, we've talked a little bit about the football side of things, but basketball expansion, if they were to go and say, like, let's get Yukon and Gonzaga, how do you feel
1: about that as a fan of – the Bears and, and also of the Big 12? I actually really like it. I, I think it can work. You're obviously going to have to get creative with how you're going to you know make the schedule and things like that if you get to a point where you're that big of a conference, especially if you add schools from the Pac-12 or various other places along with uh, those basketball-only schools. But again, I, I think there's a brand out there for Baylor to or for the Big 12 in general uh, to just kind of solidify itself as the best basketball conference, but really go beyond that you know, and really make it a premier type thing because if you're able to go out and get Yukon and Gonzaga – I mean, they're already the best basketball conference, but you add those two schools, my goodness, it's not even close uh, with anyone else. If you're able to add like an Arizona from the Pac-12 as well, that just adds even more to it. So I'm a big fan of it. What I'm not a big fan of is I've heard reports that UConn wants to have their football and everything be in the conference as well. I'm not a fan of that. I I don't think that their basketball program uh, can carry their football program to that degree, even though I know they've shown signs of life uh, in recent years. Years. That's just not not been a very great program uh, in recent memory.
0: Well, I mean, they said before that they will not add a basketball uh, school that has football. Um, right, that they're looking to avoid that. So that would eliminate UConn if uh, if they you know you don't want to have football with basketball, like you mm-hmm. just you just wouldn't do that. So it's either football or bust. It appears unless they change their minds. I just think that that would get messy though, because yeah. part of the appeal for UConn would be to have your football program in the Big Twelve, like. You know, basketball, that would be great, but you're perfectly content where you are. Um, Basketball is such a big deal, but you're in a very basketball-driven league already. Um, So, yeah, I mean, you'd have to have football come along with that. Uh, So they've been mentioned. uh, Those meetings get underway – tomorrow, and will last through the end of the week, but uh, you also have San Diego State and UNLV that uh, Ross Dellinger also mentioned, so those discussions are ongoing as well, um, along with uh, Gonzaga and UConn, and we'll see if anything comes of that, but uh, i will be interesting to see league-wise what other things are discussed uh, as they, you know, uh, just start to look at the future, and uh, we've seen them come up with, like, broadcast ideas, and some other leagues are doing that as well, but what else is on the agenda outside of you know teams and uh, what he's talked about previously as far as playing games internationally. I'm curious to see what other news and notes might come out of this, but that also is going on right now. That's going to take up Mac Rhodes' time uh, this week and uh, should provide some headlines, but we will see on that. As far as uh, recruiting goes, what's kind of the flavor of the week right now uh, in
1: terms of what Dave Arenden and company are looking at? Yeah, so I think a big thing right now is just setting up official visits. That's been kind of one of the things that's been a lot slower than I thought it would be for this Baylor staff. Um, It seems like they're kind of taking their time getting guys locked in for their official visits and what the specific dates are, Um, but they did get a huge one uh, announced this week that Josh Lair, the safety out of Fort Bend Marshall High School, he's going to take an official visit to Baylor June 9th through 11th. Uh, That's a huge one. He's a Priority prospect for this program, a four-star in my eyes. He's like right. He's right on the fringe of it. I think he's an eighty-nine uh, three-star according to multiple sites. But when you look at his offer list and the places that he's going to visit, such as LSU, Texas, Washington, and Texas A&M, uh, along with Baylor, that's his top five. Yet yeah, he's not a. High three-star guy. This guy's a four-star guy who's got committable offers from big-time programs, and he fits exactly what they want at the position. Big, physical, 6 to 185 pounds, and was a priority for Matthew Palage pretty much immediately when he got to Baylor. He was an early offer for him at the safety position. So that's been a big one that I've been keeping my eye on, um, and they finally got that one scheduled. Uh, Another one that I'm looking at is a recent offer. Siblo uh, Steel Safety, Dante Carter, another safety prospect, another long-rangey type uh, prospect, 6'2", 177, 178 pounds, uh, long Rangy, same school as JT Woods, Um, and they kind of play similarly as well. He had seven interceptions his last year at Steele this past season, Uh, and he has not locked in a specific date, but he did tell me it's likely going to be a midweek official visit for Baylor at some point during the month of June. So keep an eye on that. That's going to be an interesting thing to watch because Baylor typically hasn't done the whole, hey, we'll bring you in on an official visit during the week. It's always two specific weekends and then one in February that they typically kind of add to the table, um, or one in January, I mean. But this one could be random, and that might have something to do with the fact that recruits can now take as many official visits as they want. And so now you might see some random ones throughout the month instead of relying heavily on one or two specific weekends. But
0: that doesn't change the amount that the schools are allowed, right? Like, they can't
1: sit there and just
0: say, like, hey, whenever anybody wants to come in, I mean, like you said, they're expanding it beyond, like, a couple of big weekends. But that doesn't mean that just anybody who wants to show up can show up, like, as
1: far as an official visit goes. The school still has a restriction, but the players don't. And so, but what I mean by that is, okay, so Dante Carter has five official visits lined up over the next six weeks. It's like, it's going to be hard for Baylor to get him on an official visit on the weekend when he's committed to going to so many official visits, right? So you got to find another way to get creative because kids now can just take as many as they want. And honestly, a lot of guys are just going to be like, hey, my recruitment blew up late. I want to see as many schools as possible. And that's where you might see some more of these midweek official visits. Uh, I don't think it's going to be common, but I don't really know. Because this is something that has definitely changed over the last year, and it's going to be something to focus on. But I am very intrigued by the fact that Baylor is really focusing on this safety position. It's a position that they really do need to hit on, and one that I I think they're spending a lot of time with. Why does that seem like
0: it's been such a bugaboo, you think? Just transfers, not expecting
1: transfers,
0: not expecting... I, I don't know, it's just... I mean, it's set up where you had a very veteran-laden group a couple years ago, and now it seems like ever since J.T. Woods and Jalen Petrie and those guys left, they just are kind of running around trying to find the right
1: formula, which think, is easier said than done. I think they honestly just missed on the older guys okay. because those guys just did not play well. Christian Morgan, just ne- it seemed like he never got better from 2021. He was the exact same player. And then he got put in a position where he looked more vulnerable last year. That hurt him. Al Walcott, injured for part of the year, but even when he was healthy, he did not look great. Like, he was okay. He was solid. He was not as good as you thought he would be coming back off the no. you know the pick six in the Sugar Bowl. and Moving to star yeah. where Petrie had all that success. That didn't work out. Devin Neal just was one of the most just overhyped guys. It seems like even when we saw he wasn't playing well, people still were like, oh, but a great athlete. And gonna do this but it didn't change the fact that he took poor angles time after time and wasn't a great ball hawking safety either so just I I think the older guys just ended up not being great but I think it's very telling Baylor did not attack the transfer portal for a safety and so they're gonna rely on their young guys their guys that they're developing and I, I think they feel pretty good about that group right now but I definitely think they need to add more talent in the near future which is what they're doing in this 2024 class So there is a little bit on uh, football
0: and uh, guys moving in and uh, Big 12 meetings going on this week. Uh, You know, I mentioned some of the uh, scuttlebutt as far as what Ross Dellinger had written about some of the teams, and, and that continues over from just conversations that have happened. That's nothing new. Uh, that they're they're looking around. But uh, I'm sure there will be a couple storylines or two that will pop out from that that uh, will be of interest. Uh, meanwhile, onboarding guys on campus. So a lot going on, even though there doesn't seem like there's a lot going on uh, on and off the uh, field right now. And uh, elsewhere, sports-wise, I guess we got the NBA draft coming up. Um, saw where L.J. Cryer, not like it was a surprise, he announced his transfer to Houston, but he's not um, – uh, no, he's no longer in the draft mix, which is like that's you know duh. Uh, but anything of note there for you? I mean, the season's wrapped up uh, NBA wise outside of the the finals now, which the Heat just booked the other end of that. They'll take on the Nuggets. Uh, not nothing you know Baylor related to talk about there. We know that guys like Jeremy Sohan had you know, fine to good years. Davion Mitchell. Did see Davion Mitchell's got a new tattoo that's commemorating his national championship at oh, Baylor. No, yeah. I don't know if you saw that I or didn't. not, but he's got a, a new tattoo, new sleeve, uh, look like, and he's got the Baylor national champs, uh, in there. So I thought that that was neat. I saw that a little while ago, but, um, Keontae George, uh, obviously got an eye on him and, uh, What else are you eyeing as far as the NBA draft and and just sort of the effect it's having on Baylor men's basketball at the moment? Well,
1: it seems like Keontae George might be at the very end of the lottery or potentially not in the lottery by the end of this. It seems like he's kind of going to be somewhere in the teens, maybe early 20s is where I've been consistently seeing him pegged. Um Obviously, that's a little disappointing, I would say. I think coming into the year, most people felt like he could be a top 10 pick. I don't necessarily see that happening, but still good for him. He's going to get drafted. He'll be a first-round guy. Outside of that, you, know, you see Adam Flagler, Jalen Bridges are still – in the draft process, which I'm a little surprised we haven't heard anything quite yet on either of them, specifically Jalen Bridges, because he was a guy who I felt like was going to enter the process, enjoy it, figure out where he could go, and then make the decision to come back to Baylor. And that just hasn't happened yet, so I'm curious what he decides to do. Ultimately, I do think he will end up back at Baylor. As far as Adam Flagler goes, that's an interesting one. And I think it's one that's getting more and more interesting by the day as this process is almost over. He still hasn't made a decision, but then on the flip side, the Baylor staff is having to recruit point guards because they don't really have a point guard on their roster that I think they believe can carry them through the Big 12 and potentially win a national championship this season. And so they're having to recruit other guys like Toledo transfer, Ray J. Dennis, uh, who just pulled out of the uh, NBA draft I think today today. This morning, actually, he's been a top target for Baylor Uh, Colorado State guard Isaiah Stevens, which I think he committed or he dropped out of the draft process four days ago. And I think Colorado State feels like he's coming back. uh, But I don't know that for sure. Um, And then obviously Baylor's also recruiting some other wings in case something happens to Jalen Bridges. So that's kind of been the news there. We're still just waiting, right? And we should know in the next couple days what's going to happen. But ultimately Baylor's kind of at a standstill right now as they're trying to figure out, hey, where are these two guys going to go? And if they do leave, who are the guys that we have that could potentially replace them? Uh, But at the end of the day, I do feel like Baylor is going to be in a good spot basketball-wise, whether it's with Flagler and Bridges or with one or with neither. Uh, They've kind of prepared for this really well.
0: Yeah, so looking at the timeline here, um, when's the deadline? Is it tomorrow night? I think so. Okay, I mean, NCAA early entry withdrawal deadline, and then there's the NBA early entry withdrawal deadline. I'm trying to figure out what the difference is between those two because the NCAA early entry is tomorrow night at midnight uh, or one tick before that's midnight. That's the one, I believe. Okay, yeah, yeah. And then the, so what's the NBA early entry withdrawal deadline?
1: When's that one? June 12th. I don't know. Don't know I don't know. Yeah,
0: sorry. I don't know what the difference is between those. Um, but yeah, I mean we gotta find out something here pretty soon. It's it's been a weird off season just simply because there's a number of guys that are waiting, uh, to make their final decisions and it's uh it's as you mentioned, it's put them in a little uh a bit of a pickle as far as trying to figure out what they're, you know, gonna exactly look like next year. It's mm-hmm. been kind of weird to just sit there and be in limbo the way that they uh have been, but um, yeah, I'm trying to see here. Uh NBA this is a deadline for players. Okay. Yeah, that doesn't give me any clarity. I don't know what the difference is on that, um between those two. Um uh, because
1: You think it would be the same exact thing. Right. It Um, sounds
0: the exact same,
1: but it might be something with their national players or something along those lines. Yeah, it could be
0: something like that. But I think that the deadline for players like Jalen Bridges would be tomorrow at 11.59 p.m. Eastern
1: time. Yep, and Adam Flagler. So, again, we should get more clarity. That's also why you're seeing there's been a ton of smoke with Ray J. Dennis to Illinois, but nothing's happened yet. And I think a big part of that is he's waiting to see what's going to happen with Baylor. And I think a lot of guys are doing that because at the end of the day, they want to go to the best spot for them to potentially win a championship and play a lot of minutes and be featured. And honestly, that's what Baylor is going to be if they don't have Adam Flagler or Jalen Bridges. They're going to have an opportunity to give someone 30-plus minutes and to be an all-Big 12-type player uh, if they're good enough. So guys are definitely very interested in that. And that's why I know a lot of people are freaking out about the fact that they only have nine guys or whatever on their roster currently. They're going to be just fine. Just take a breath. They're going to reload. They just have to wait through this process, like every school does.
0: Yeah, I mean, I, I don't, I don't know. That's I haven't paid much attention to that. I never worried they wouldn't be able to fill their roster back up. It's a matter of like they've got too many guys. That's the thing. Is you're sort of in a holding pattern because you can't add anybody until you know who you have.
1: So well, they can't add anybody who wants to be a starter. That's the key. They could well, add depth, all the depth guys they want, but you can't yeah. But I think you also have to keep top. in mind who
0: they're also going to be puzzle pieced together with. Like, you know, is it yeah. a guy that's going to play off of Jalen Bridges or play off of an Adam Flagler, or is it somebody that you're, you're like, we don't have a Jalen Bridges or an Adam Flagler, so we need somebody. You know what I'm saying? So we got somebody who needs a little bit of this. Uh, yeah. When we're looking at them, it's
1: it's more what you just said though. It's more just like who's going to play point guard and who's going to play wing, and we don't have an answer to that. So, yeah, you are right with that. I, I just think, ultimately, they they have two starting positions that they absolutely have to fill, and they don't know. No one well, knows yeah, so where I they're going to fill it.
0: Yeah, like, you could go fill it right now, but then what do you do if Adam
1: Flagler and Jalen Bridges are like, hey, surprise, we're back, and then you're like, oh, well. Then I... Then Honestly, my opinion is if they take two transfers, then that probably means that Bridges and Flagler are going right. to be so going somewhere waiting, else. Right, so we're waiting on their decisions, but, basically. But they, yeah. even if they decide to come back, if their spot's filled, I mean... How might, long are you
0: going to wait? You're waiting yeah. on those guys to make a decision. That's what you're waiting on is you're waiting on them to make a decision. They're going to have to here pretty soon. So I looked it up. Incidentally, and this doesn't really provide all that much clarity... Uh, incidentally, early entry withdrawal deadline tomorrow night at 11.59 Eastern Time. Early entry withdrawal deadline for underclassmen that wish to maintain their college eligibility. And then 12 days later, NBA early entry withdrawal deadline. The early entry withdrawal deadline for draft prospects. So those guys that are, I guess, like G League and, you know, whoever else. Um, I guess that's their, their withdrawal deadline. But the one for college players, if you are an Adam Flagler and you're going to come back to school, you've got to make that decision by tomorrow night uh, at midnight east. So we will get some clarity, it appears, uh, here soon. And as you can tell, uh, we'd love it and just kind of have an idea of what to expect you know, moving forward. But I imagine Scott Drew and company have a pretty good idea but would also really love to just officially know who to expect on their roster next year and then what to do uh, accordingly. So that will be clarified here in short order, but uh, we do have the NBA draft around the corner, and uh, there will be some Baylor flavor once again, which has kind of become commonplace. uh, But Keontae George will be interesting to see where he lands when all is said and done. That's only about uh, three weeks away. now. No, yeah, about three weeks away now at this point. That will be uh, June 22nd at the Barclays Center in Brooklyn, and George will definitely hear his name called. But as you said, it's kind of gone from – Lottery guy to still in the first round, but just, like, where exactly is he
1: going to settle in? Fringe lottery is what I'm seeing. Like, the back end, you know, 12, 13, 14 through. I think the lowest I've seen him is, like, 20, though. I don't think I've seen him much further than that. But, yeah, it's kind of where he's at.
0: All right, so you got that going on with uh, the basketball side of things. And then just, uh, I guess, the only thing really remaining besides the mailbag, uh, as we are here in, you know, the summer months is uh, just a a bit of a roundup, I suppose, on what's all been going on elsewhere. I mean, we had baseball close-up shop, uh, you know, a a while back. It it feels like now at this point. Uh, And you had uh, men's golf closed out. Johnny Kiefer uh, was, you know, still riding solo. Uh, But then you had women's golf as well uh, that had closed up shop. And what did Johnny Kiefer end up? I didn't even... Follow up on that, actually. But uh, you did have men's golf that was still in contention as far as individually goes. Okay, tied for 52nd is what he ended up. Yeah. So just a bit outside of the top, uh, the, the medal stand there. Uh, but in all seriousness, he had a good year, uh, but he does end up finishing 52nd. So, boom, there's men's golf. They are now uh, done as well uh, with him wrapping up individually. So men's and women's golf is closed up shop. You also had um, – I mean, basically everything but, at this point, track and field is done. Uh, I think that's it now with uh, Johnny Kiefer uh, and his season coming to a close for men's golf. Uh, That's, I believe, everybody, right, outside of uh, track and field now. And track and field wrapped up their prelims. Um, just this past week out in California ended up with 13 invites to the national championships which will take place down in Austin here in a few days and a number of you know scattered entries from relays to um javelin to you know individual races and, and all sorts of uh competitions but uh, beyond that um that is what you're left standing with now as far as Baylor Athletics goes uh did have some you know rem- remaining golf notes Um, As far as, you know, a couple of the women, Sarah Hasagawa and Rosie Belsham were All-American selection, second-teamers. We had Johnny Kiefer that we talked about that advanced individually, but uh, beyond that, some transfer news on the tennis front, and that's about all she wrote for Baylor Athletics at the moment. We are truly... Uh, despite teasing it all these past few weeks, of it's narrowing down, it's whittling down, like we really are at the end of the road now for uh, for the
1: 2022-2023 calendar year. Yes, we are. And the national championship for track and field will actually be in Austin, uh, not this weekend, but the next. And so that's going to be really exciting. I actually, you know, kind of looking through it, there are some opportunities here that they could get a national champion, I, I think, from the track team, maybe. Maybe one. Um, I'm kind of looking at the 4x400 team, on the men's side, that actually they won their, I guess you'd call it their regional event. Yeah. Um, so they have a chance, potentially, uh, to make a run. And there's a few others, but I'm excited for that. That should be a lot of fun uh, in Austin, and we'll see if they're able to get the job done. But you're right, we're, we're pretty much done with Baylor sports uh, this calendar year. And uh, that's <laughs> that's kind of, or this school year, I guess, which is kind of a sad moment, I would say.
0: Uh, I don't know. I'm kind of, I uh, think,
1: ready to turn here. the page. Uh,
0: <laughs> I think it's – I mean, we've done it for nine months now. I'm, I'm not – you know, we've had our moments to say goodbye and to really embrace these, you know, calendar year athletes and all that. But, yeah, it's it's about time to kind of pack it up and go away for about five weeks and then get right back to it with media days and all that starting to kick off here right around the corner. But, yeah, I mean, I'm sure it's bittersweet for a lot of people. Uh, But it's been, you know, a very up and down and at times entertaining and disappointing year. Pretty disappointing.
1: Lots of disappointments, I would say. It just, for some reason, for almost every team, it felt like they were this close to being really good or this just missing this one thing. Um, But hopefully that gets corrected next year. I do see some promise from a lot of these teams, though. There are some teams I think will make a big jump going into next season.
0: Yeah, and man, I can't, I can't ignore it. I mean, I'm sure some people in the podcast can hear the noise in the background, and if not, then that's I, bad. Yeah, I can't imagine how you don't. But I mean, we just walked into the situation today where they're, I mean, directly outside of the door of all, you know, of just all the timing in the days to do it. Got construction people that are like chopping concrete outside, <laughs> so. Um, apologies for that, but I mean, it's, it's in my ear, so I can't imagine it's not in in others as well. And typically you wouldn't even mention it, but, uh, we are aware of it and, uh, (laughs) it's, uh, it's maddening, but, uh, we only have the mailbag left to go. So let's power on through here and close out this edition of the Bearcast, and, uh, hopefully have a quieter effort for you next week. As far as the background noise goes, but Scotty B the Baylor King, what's the best reaction to a win you've seen? This is just one reaction after the win of Christy Wallace with the Indiana Fever coach. After the coach won her first game as a head coach, uh, Queen Egbo, Melissa Smith, Christy Wallace had good stats in the win for the Indiana Fever, which ended a 20 game losing streak, which dates back to last season. And uh, there she is. There's Christy Wallace with her, you know, Indiana Fever head coach. And there's uh Piers, Melissa Smith as well. So, um, yeah, I mean, that's a cool note from the WNBA, Scotty. And, um, I don't know, I, best reactions to a win I've seen. I've seen a lot, um, but uh, that's a good one there for, for those ladies involved and uh, good for them on in that losing streak.
1: I love the reaction, uh, the Big 12 championship game 2021 when Trell Bernard runs to the corner where Jaron McVeigh made the tackle and he's staring at the touchdown marker and sees that the guy didn't quite touch it when he stretched out. I don't know if you remember that. But he's like cheering like, hey, no, he didn't make it. And that whole moment, the whole 2021 Big 12 championship for the football team was great. But that one really sticks in my head of him getting just a perfect view of the play. And, of course, Jaron McVay celebrating, everyone celebrating. That's that's my probably best one I've seen. Yeah, I'd
0: say that's uh, that's right up there. Uh, Men's National Championship celebration. Yeah, pretty great. The women have done it a few times. So, yeah, I don't think the Indiana fever goes right up there to the top for me. But, no. like I said, good for those <laughs> girls. Good for Christy Wallace and Alyssa Smith. And I think you mentioned Queen Egbo as well. Uh, good for them and uh, good to see folks having some success at the next level. Big Cheese 83, what are some reasonable expectations to have for this staff in terms of recruiting during the month of June? How many total commits are you expecting for us to pick up during the month, and how many battles should we win with other schools for higher-rated recruits in order for us to feel good about
1: this staff's recruiting acumen? I mean, so some stats for you. In 2022, they landed six commits in the month of June, and then in 2023, they landed 11. So I think somewhere right around that, somewhere maybe in the middle, I think 7 or 8 commits during the month of June should be the expectation since they have so few commits currently. But I will say this class is going to be a little bit smaller. We've mentioned that before. And so therefore I I kind of understand the reason for it and why they've taken their time building this class up. Uh, but I'd say 7 or 8 is kind of my expectation as far as I think that's also that goes in line with my reasonable expectations for this staff. I mean that the commitments are kind of what matters. I would say getting their high-profile guys to take official visits. I think that's, you know, kind of one of those bigger things as well. Um, But as far as how many battles should they win, I mean, what do you count as winning a battle with higher-rated recruits like if it's a four-star guy then it then it matters as far as what you're building and who you're battling against um because for Jaden porter they've battled against a lot of teams for um you know brandon booker they battled against a lot of teams and so i think you know that's kind of one of those Things where you're just going to have to make your opinion on it. But I think if Baylor wins three battles for four-star type guys where they're truly battling against a lot of really high-profile schools, like a Josh Lair, who I mentioned a little bit earlier, where you're battling against LSU, Texas, Texas a if you can win one of those um, and you do that maybe three times in a class, that's a pretty big deal. They've pretty much done that consistently in their last couple classes. Um, so, yeah, if they can do that, I, I think that would be pretty big. Are you noticing a difference now with the little shift of Oklahoma-Texas to the SEC,
0: all the talk about the Big Ten, the SEC, all this NIL stuff where we know there's pay-for-play going on left and right? Have you noticed that taking a hit with Baylor
1: recruiting? Maybe slightly, and I think it's actually kind of the smaller schools in those conferences. Like, you're seeing Purdue reach into Texas like crazy right now, which has been kind of a weird thing for me to see. Yeah, I mean, Graham Harrell matters, but also they have some sort of – I think their NIL is actually doing pretty good, and obviously with what they're going to make in the Big Ten, that kind of makes sense. But, you know, like Louisville, for instance, came in and won a battle against Baylor for Deuce Vaughn. Um, so, like, little things Deuce like that I've seen, but – Adams. Deuce Adams. I'm sorry. Yeah, Deuce Vaughn. My mind went completely blank, but yeah, two, Deuce Adams. So yeah, I mean, it's going to happen eventually, and I think we see that some with some of these schools NIL wise. Um, but I don't necessarily think it's going to change too much with the bigger schools because Baylor wasn't winning those, you know, many of those battles, anyways.
0: I don't know. It's just changed. Maybe it's just me getting older, and I don't pay attention to the the daily recruiting battles like I used to and just like I I just when we entered the days of like here's my top 16 here's a graphic I just I just uh, dude I stopped caring as much I'll be honest with you and just getting older and just it's not as you know important to keep track of for me on a daily basis Mm -hmm. because I just you know have seen it all and um it does seem like either I'm just not paying enough attention or uh there are just fewer and farther between these these big battles, like a showdown with an Oklahoma over a guy or Texas over a guy like there used to be, like over Devin Duvernay, for example, or Cam Martin, or, you know, some of those guys. Are those still happening with regularity, or has that started to change? Am I tripping, or... I I think you're... Is it just, is it just the games different in general, because... It seemed like there were these, like, meaningful battles, and now it's just kind of – I don't know. I I don't know how to explain it. I think
1: Baylor was at a different point. For sure. That's part of – I mean, that could
0: be the answer, is that they were at a different level. That's
1: part of it, especially on the offensive side. Yeah, right. for sure. They had all that, you know, the flashy year, the points. They were doing all kinds of crazy things, and now you're you're at a different point. You're battling with NIL, which obviously matters. But, yeah, I I still think those things are happening. Maybe – not specifically with Oklahoma and Texas as much, but like the Austin Novosad thing with Oregon, sure. you know, that was a big one. They they've had some major battles that they've won and lost um, but yeah, I guess it is becoming a little bit less with Texas and Oklahoma, but I don't know if that's just because of the guys that they're going hard after, or if it's just those guys are committing really early. Cause it does seem like Texas and OU have landed, you know, they land guys pretty early in the process.
0: Yeah. And I mean, I trust the staff's evaluations, but I think this upcoming year is going to be a big year. Where we're really going to see like, all right, what kind of talents being brought on and mm-hmm. developed and, and all those types of things, because you know, now Oklahoma and Texas, um, and, you know, you were picking and choosing your battles with them anyways and winning some on occasion. But it does seem like that's kind of less and less now. And I know a lot more of the focus is now on your TCUs and your Texas Techs. And, um, you know, you got to be wary of, you know, how many battles you're winning against those teams. I think you've, you've won your fair share, but TCU's obviously got a leg up now. And Texas Tech's got, you know, all the advantages except for the, like, year-in and year-out winning um, and, and not all the advantages over Baylor, but like in terms of recruiting and advantages right now, you've got big pot of NIL that you're playing with where, you know, it's spread across the team and you've got a lot of money flowing there. You've got, what we know is a very active and very talkative staff. So I know compared to this staff too, like this staff's a little quieter, you know what I mean? Like it's not as in your face. Um, and so it just feels like they've got a lot of momentum over there and I think it feels like it. I don't necessarily. But think perception it's reality. is reality, buddy. I mean, uh, in recruiting, I think it it is. It, you know, eventually they're going to go play on the field, so that's right. that's fine. So, and that's where I mean, it
1: might not right. It didn't matter last year, so you all. don't
0: think that in any way, shape, or form Baylor's like lost any any momentum or things are just exactly the way they've always been. I'm just I just feel like there's a little bit of steam that's been lost, and I don't know exactly why that is. And so I'm trying to think. Okay, it's, it's not as much Oklahoma and Texas now. I think we pinpointed a lot of it as they're not just who where they where they are and who they were back when I was at its hottest and it's hottest and heaviest. But I think now too you got TCU and tech at a level where they're starting to encroach on maybe some territory you wish you had blocked off a little bit better. It just it's just feels like they're in a kind of a just a, an interesting spot as far as their pe- their place in the pecking order. And, you know, just sort
1: of where they fit in the grand scheme I of things. I think winning cures everything. Sure it does. And I, and I think that coming off of the Big 12 championship, no one was even talking about Texas Tech. No one cared about Texas Tech. And then they go 7-5 and five in the regular season, and then they win their bowl game. And I, I just think that it's a little bit overblown. And I know there are staff that, you know, they do you know, hype up their recruits and hype up their recruiting, and that's great. That's fine. But at some point, you still have to put on the field – And Baylor's got a big 12 championship with Dave Aranda. And so I do trust what they've brought in. I think their 2023 class was really, really good. And I think they are a little slower out the gate in 2024. But I would also say that's kind of strategic because this class was never meant to be a huge one anyways, as far as size goes. And so I think they're having to be more selective with their spots. And I think that's been something that maybe at the end of the day is, quote, unquote, holding them back from being having all this momentum. But remember, last summer, a lot of people were saying the same thing. And then they picked up 11 commits in the month of June. And so I think it's just one of those things. It's a wait and see type thing for me. Um, but, yeah, I mean, you know, there's no doubt Tech has some guys, and they're you know their recruiting rankings look good, and they they look nice, and I understand all that, but I, I do think at some point you got to put on the field.
0: Yeah, and, I mean, they will. I mean, they've only had one year, and I'm not just singling them out. It's just uh, they are on top of the Big 12 recruiting rankings right now, and then Baylor's at six, and if they're going to have a small class, well, they're not going to get up too much higher than that, other than if you have, like, a really great per-player average, which they're not going to have probably. So that's what I mean is I'm just kind of thinking about where they are right now. It doesn't seem like there's a whole lot of going on, and outside of going and winning, like, ten games this year, it's sort of just going to be that way. And I'm just curious of, you know, where that where that brings you ultimately um, and, and kind of where you find yourself. It's very curious of of where we'll be talking about them on the other end of this this following season. And that's why I think it's super important uh, for them to show some development, them to show that the guys that they've recruited are not only panning out but are performing and are, like, evolving. And I just think, you know, coming off last year where you had this dump off of all these Matt Rule guys that were NFL players – and then relatively quiet draft, but a lot of undrafted guys. But even some of those two guys were like remnants. I mean, Siaki was an Aranda guy, and that was your one draft pick. But like, just where's the talent level next year? You see, see where I'm coming from here?
1: Yeah, no, I do, yeah. and, and I understand. I I definitely understand that viewpoint. I think a lot of it's a telling year. It will be Aranda's recruits very young, obviously. So you know, 2021 was just older guys developing under Aranda and then being really good. I mean, they. None of those guys were doing much when Matt Rule was there. So they were developed by Aranda and then obviously got drafted. But I think now a lot of this has to do with can they develop guys that they recruit specifically, and that's what we're going to find out. But I, I think looking last year and saying, oh, well, now look at Aranda's guys. Well, they were all young guys. And then a lot of the other guys that didn't do well were Rule guys who weren't just didn't cut it and weren't very good. So it's kind of that mix and match for sure. But I do agree with you with the mindset, especially on the defensive side. You know, what does the talent look like on the field? And do we see NFL talent on the field next year for Baylor? That's that's going to be very, very telling.
0: When you won two games, then you won 12, and then you won six, and a really ugly six at that, um, I think it's very important you go and win some games this year because that 12 is great. You can talk about that a lot, but like, we're starting to reach the point now where it's also like, okay, K-State's already won one since then. Pretty soon there will be a second team that's won it since then, and so you can only like kind of carry that torch of how great that year was two years ago for so long, you know. And I kind of feel like they're at that point now where they got to kind of show like, yeah, that was great, but it's two years later, and here's where we are now, and here's the strides that we've made. And I don't think they were able to really take strides forward last
1: year. So I think, and I think that's also where you're feeling the momentum hit. It is the winning; yeah. it, it's a huge part of. It. If Baylor had won ten games last year, no one cares if you know, Tech has the number one recruiting class. No one cares. Like, that's, that's the key right there is winning football games. They did that in 2021, which made no one care about where they finished in the class ranking, and now they got to do that again, especially with the schedule turning over the way that it does in the odd years for Baylor.
0: Master Pierce, NPA, choose one player on both the offensive and defensive side of
1: the ball you're most hoping to have a breakout season uh I I mean I guess I can go with a transfer so I'll go with Keetron Jackson on the offensive side I'm gonna go with Jackie Marshall on the defensive side I know he showed flashes last year but I don't think that was a true breakout I think he breaks out this year and is in the too deep and a very important guy for their defense uh I'm trying to think of who I would go with defensively
0: um yeah, Keetron Jackson's, like, the big name, obviously, uh, offensively. I'd like to see Drake Dabney have a big old breakout year, though, as far as just being a big threat at tight end. So let me go with him, just something a little bit different outside of the typical running back wide receiver. Um, defensively, gosh, like i love Matt Jones to live up to his potential. That'd be awesome. Like, this is the last ride for him, and he's had some good moments here and there, but, like, they really could use some of these older guys to take, like, massive leaps, um, and I don't know why his name just popped into my head. I'm not trying to single him out per se, but you ask for a name and there's a name for you. That'd be great. I think that would be a game changer for them to have somebody like
1: him like flip a switch. I think that's a huge one because their linebacker core looks, in my opinion, shaky at best, but they're also veterans. With him and Mike Smith, I mean, those are guys that have played a lot of snaps. We just, I don't know that we view them as the most talented, but you're right. Matt Jones, if he can take that step forward, it would be huge for them. Uh, let's see
0: here. So there was Master Pierce. Uh, pass rush is almost non existent last season. What scheme and personnel wise do you think will be done to actually allow a pass rush? So, I mean,
1: it's been talked about a lot by Caleb Collins, by Dave Veranda himself, by Dennis Johnson, that they focused on pass rush, individual pass rush, winning one-on-one battles uh, with their defensive line. That's the first part. I, I think that focus is going to be key for them uh, up front. I think the other area that I'm noticing, the focus on the Jack position with Byron Vaughn's and Garmin Randolph, having both of those guys that's going to be very entertaining to watch. I think you could have both of them on the field at the same time if you wanted uh, for certain stretches. Of course, that means getting Garmin Randolph back um, from his suspension. And then Ging uh, Bryson-Jackson at the star position gives them more of a reliable pass rushing option from that spot. I believe they were missing that last year without Walcott. I think Bryson brings that to the table uh, more so than AJ McCarty does, even though I think both of them will play significant snaps. I think that kind of personnel movement is going to be really key along with the focus of winning individual battles up front and winning in pass rush situations. Appreciate the question there. Uh, Billy 21 followed
0: up a little uh, jokey a weird, joke yeah. about uh, about uh, Tech. Big T's <laughs> yeah. 83. One more question. Now the quarterback battle is wrapped up. What are some of the more tightly contested
1: position battles that are still ongoing for this team? Yeah, I guess we're going to have to go through a few of them. So running back, uh, even though it will be a split, I think that's still a position battle. Um, Dominic Richardson, Richard Reese, um, the two front runners, I would say, to be the starting running back, but that's still a battle there. Um, The third wide receiver, after Monterey Baldwin and Keytron Jackson, um, that's going to be tightly contested with Josh Cameron or Monty Winfield, Hal Presley. Like you got a battle there in my opinion, as well. Uh, Gavin Byers, George Maya at guard, um, Siraki and Ellis at right tackle, cornerbacks, who knows, that's completely up in the air with starters versus depth guys, and then the jack position between Byron Bonds and Garmin Randolph, if that does come to fruition. Those are some of the ones that I'm really focused on. I think we got an answer on the safety spot Um, with Devin Lemire and Devin Bobby looking like the starters right now. And everywhere else, it seems like the positions are kind of wrapped up. I would like to see Carmelo Jones push up at the linebacker position, Uh, but it seems like Mike Smith and Matt Jones are going to be the guys for the first game of the year.
0: Appreciate that question, Big Cheese. Uh, do have some some battles still brewing, but I mean, there's some there's definitely a lot of clarity with this team already. Um, a lot of things that you feel like you know, especially now that the quarterback position has been answered. Uh, you know, and I had a question um, in the uh, in the mailbag about just the, the process of Aranda announcing the decision, and people were like, "Well, why did you announce it?" And it's, but we should point out, like they told the players well before. Um, yeah. he mentioned that. So it wasn't like Blake Shapin and Sawyer Robertson found out like an hour before he took the podium no. or when he took the podium and were like, Hey, there you go. Like they had already been operating under the last few weeks. He said they, a
1: week after, right. Is when about they had spring ball. Yeah.
0: Mm-hmm. Um, and so they had known for a while, so it wasn't maybe the way that it appeared that it unfolded, um, you know, last week it was, it was a lot more, um, you know, taken care of behind the scenes, uh, weeks beforehand. So just a little clarity on, on that front. Um, all right. Uh, let's see here, but yeah, there's, there's some fun position battles still to be decided. Yankee bear stack rank. What is most important when building a winning program, talent, coaching, culture,
1: experience, and depth. You know, I actually think it's in the exact order that you have it listed. Talent, coaching, culture, experience, depth. I, That seems about right to me. Maybe I would flip depth with experience, but the first three, I I think those are the three most important.
0: Yeah, I mean, I think talent's the most important. Uh, Coaching's got to be right after that. I mean, culture kind of bleeds the two together. Um, But, yeah, I mean, mean, you can have a great coach, but if you don't have talent, it doesn't really matter. I mean, you can be competitive, but you're not going to win very much. You can also have a lot of talent and terrible coaching, and you're still going to find ways to win games, just not as many as you should have. Um, just because you'll be more talented and, you know, have better players. You can make more plays and win games, but you you got to be well-coached to go deep and make real runs. Mm -hmm. So, um, yeah, and then culture, I think you definitely see some programs that don't maybe have the best culture, but they have the best coaching and the best talent. Mm -hmm. Um, But if you have terrible culture, then that can drag both those down. So, yeah, I mean, that seems fair at number three. Um, And then experience and depth, I mean, that's – Debatable, um, but yeah, I mean, I'd rather have, I guess, more experience. I guess I don't know. I'd have to really be splitting how, hairs there. How
1: can you have depth without experience? Right, is probably. A, well, a I mean, fair you could question. have
0: a loaded freshman class with a bunch of dudes that are just filling up your depth chart. They don't necessarily
1: have experience. But. Yeah. I mean, quality depth is maybe different than just depth. I, I don't yeah, know. Yeah, he didn't say quality. He, he just said depth, depth. So maybe that should be very last. Yeah, it's just one of those things where you look at it and you go, yeah, if Kirby Smart was at Vanderbilt, are they winning two national championships in a row? No.
0: No, but chance. they'd be making bowl games regularly pretty quickly, and then they'd be all of a sudden winning eight games out of nowhere. Right, um, but they wouldn't be yeah. where Georgia's at. No. Know? Um, so, yeah, I think, I think you actually nailed the order of that, Yankee Bear. Between what years do athletes make their biggest
1: improvements for each of the following sports? Basketball. Yeah, so, again, this is just an opinion. I personally think basketball, it's high school to freshman year. That's why there's so many lottery guys who go into the draft after their freshman season. Uh, baseball. I think this one's freshman to sophomore. I think that's where you see the biggest jump there. But I could be convinced that it's a year or two later as well. Yeah, I mean,
0: I'm mostly agreeing, and I haven't really given this thought ever. Um, so I'd have to, like, really get down and think about it. But, I mean, it's, that sounds – the first two sounds good to me. I mean, it
1: makes sense that those would be the, the big launching points. Uh, football. Yeah, this is the one that I'm most adamant on. I think sophomore to junior year is where you make the biggest jump as a football player. We see it all the time with quarterbacks. It's like, oh, great freshman year, sophomore slump massive junior year we see that a lot but I just think junior year and that fits in line with when you're able to declare for the NFL draft as well so yeah that that's kind of where I'm at with that one
0: yeah that makes sense I mean you might like you know argue like well freshman from freshman to soft or football from freshman I don't I don't mean if you want to argue that that's fine but I mean that all sounds about right um you know there's key dates that are kind of intermingled in there that you know are sort of the the launching pads Uh, for some of these guys to make those jumps. So, yeah, I mean, that that makes sense. Uh, And then Yankee also asking, he'll close it out with this, uh, how many regular season Big 12 championships do you predict Baylor will get for the upcoming 23-24 season? My goodness. I don't know. Um, I just had two pop into my head, and that doesn't sound like a very great number. Um, But I'm trying to think of just off the top who I'd see would be predicted to win one. So I'm being generous uh, by predicting
1: two, I feel like. you can't win a Big 12 championship, right? It's only a national. Yeah, I don't think so. Yes, they don't count.
0: Uh, so I'm gonna say two just because somebody sneaks up and, and wins a couple of them, but honestly, i I think you could probably say zero and you'd be fair to say that because I don't know if there's a glaring, obvious choice that would be like they're the favorites to win next year. I wouldn't say that in men's basketball. I wouldn't say that in football. wouldn't definitely not say that in baseball. would not say that I mean track and field, they haven't been and they've been okay, but not like winning the big 12 yeah, good. You can't say it in volleyball. Not in volleyball, Texas. All of Texas. Not in softball because of the Oklahoma schools and Texas. Um, soccer, I have no idea. Probably um,
1: not going to win the Big 12.
0: Yeah. Uh, they had a tough le- year last year with Michelle Leonard, so yeah. we'll see how they rebound. I mean, you go up and – I don't Shoot. think there's any any of them that you go like, yeah, that's, that's a definite Big 12 championship. So I'd say, you know, a couple <laughs> – um predicted just to be super optimistic here but that's definitely just being optimistic because there's not one that's uh, an obvious choice
1: right now. Yeah, I'll go with one or two. I just I mean it, it's tough to win the Big 12. I think basketball has a chance obviously. They have a chance every year. Um, Kansas looks really good though. Um and Kansas has pretty much dominated that, but I do think basketball could um, so I'll go with two because there'll probably be another one. Uh, basketball, maybe football sneaks up again this year. I, I do think that's possible. Um, it's but hard.
0: Yeah. women's basketball could win a Big women's Twelve basketball. title next year. I, I mean, think they should. Honestly, they it, might be the one team that should be the favorite to win a Big Twelve title next year yeah. uh, on paper. So there gives you there. I'll there's one.
1: Yeah, I'll go two that.
0: Uh, and then somebody else sneaks up and wins one. So yeah, two Yankee Bear, but uh, definitely not what it felt like. I don't know what like a year ago or even the last couple of years. This was a very up and down. Um, a lot of times, probably more downs than ups if you wait it all out uh, across the board uh, overall. Uh, throughout the year, but track and field, you know, could go win some national championships here in a few days, and that would obviously be a nice uh, little cherry on top of the end of the road for Baylor Athletics in 22-23. But, yeah, it's been a difficult year, and you hopefully see some uh, people bounce back and and jump up and grab some titles uh, in 23-24. All right, uh, I think that's about it. That wraps us up with
1: the last question of the mailbag. Grayson, you got anything before we head on out of here? I don't. It's just another – very entertaining week. Of course, recruiting is going to pick up over the next couple weeks as official visits start up. Um, so be sure to check out the premium side for that, as well as basketball coverage. If you want to know what's going to happen with Flagler and Bridges, no one's going to have that probably before Ashley Hodge on the premium side of things. So be sure to check that out. And, of course, 365 Sports Radio, Monday through Friday, three two six with Craig Uh, Smokey and Paul
0: yeah uh, we are getting back to it after a few days away Uh, hopefully you're able to enjoy and um, you know take advantage of some time off this past weekend as well and and remember the reason for the season Uh, so happy Memorial Day to uh, all those reflecting observing uh, missing loved ones, uh, you know, looking back on your family trees, whatever the case may be. Hopefully you had some of those thoughts cross your mind as well because that's why we did have our day off um, and uh, our long weekend. But uh, until next time, appreciate uh, Garrett behind the scenes and uh, doing his thing as always, and uh, we will talk to you later on. This has been the BearCast right here on Sikkim365.com.